When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody welcome to another edition of big chris live the live stream and then the podcast available uh in all the usual spots apple podcasts thank you for subscribing rating i have two ratings right now giving giving me five stars on apple podcasts and i thank you for the five stars but i'll take more ratings with like a three or a four star i mean maybe even a two if you really feel that way by all means leave your feedback spotify also on there DeanBlundell.com as well, all podcasts and available via Big Chris Live on YouTube. And it's just available everywhere. Uh, Dean Tube as well. Dean's got a tube. Yes, he does. <laughs> My guest for episode 12 is one of the guests that I wrote down uh, originally when I conceived this podcast. Jeff Woods is on the uh, Zoom screen with us. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Nice to see you. I'm well. Oh, I know you're always well, Jeff. You always have a very calm, well sort of vibe about you. You know what I say? There's a roof, there's food in the fridge, there's a dog next to me, there's a mm. girl upstairs. What do I have to complain about? Yes. And you have those uh, lovely pipes, those God-given pipes of yours. Not many people have those genes and genetics. <laughs> I'm just going to turn your volume up right now so we can hear it a bit more. You want to give us a read there, Jeff? Um, it's good to be king if just for a while, Chris, to be there in velvet, to give him a smile. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful. Now, let me give you a bit of a background on Jeff Woods and how I know Jeff Woods. And you don't even know this story, Jeff. We've hung out multiple times. Mm. But this is actually going back to the beginning of my radio career. I was maybe 20, 21 years old. And there's a position in radio called the assistant music director. And as the assistant music director, you get to do all the jobs that the music director doesn't want to do. Uh, mainly uh, dubbing in episodes of syndicated programming that are music oriented and tracking the songs that were played for that syndicated show and making sure they're reconciled with our music library and, and what we played for regulatory reasons. It's all that's very, quite very boring. technical. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, uh, that's a very, very con complicated way of putting it, but I could go deeper as no, already no. could. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think it's a good idea, but as part of that, I had to dub in in real time, episodes of Jeff Woods syndicated radio program and you know everyone in my life my family my wife my friends always marvel Chris you have this incredible music knowledge where do you know all these stories from <laughs> and I never hesitate to say Jeff Woods man it was just listening to those stories making sure they ran on the air for our radio stations and hearing your voice and your stories that was like one of my very entries into rock and roll radio 
And it was so cool that, it, uh, that I get to hang out with you now and, uh, and get to know you in person over uh, multiple hangouts. And, and uh, so, dude, it's, it's great to have you on and uh, welcome. <laughs> it's, a pleasure, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for all of that. Uh, whenever I meet people, oftentimes, uh, because some of them are a little bit younger than you and a lot younger than me, they say, driving with my mom or, and usually my dad. I learned about rock and roll in the car listening to your radio show, and I love that. That, yeah. that, that somebody in their now 20s or 30s, when they were 10 or 11 or 12, actually uh, had an affinity for the music that I was playing. Because then I played lots of 60s and 70s and some 80s and some oh, yeah. 90s. But now I really stretch it out and I play some current music mixed with the decades of past. So it's more fun for me. But uh, I love that kids love Hendrix and the Beatles and Zeppelin and the Who and all of that stuff. It was, yeah. I mean, some of those stories, I mean, the, I, I always knew you sort of as a Beatles fan. That's what I always thought sure. of you as through those stories, right? And, and then, of course, there's Records and Rock Stars. You have a book out there which talks about a lot of the, the various, uh, you know, adventures that you've had and, and the people that you've had to meet. And it really is staggering, Jeff. I have to say it's impressive. And I'm sure it's not lost on you. That not everyone gets to hang out with David Bowie in New York City. Not everyone, right? You know, I, I got lucky. I got incredibly fortunate that my heroes as a 12, 13, 14-year-old became people I got to sit and speak with about music. I was in the right place at the right time in the right era of radio and of the record label uh, environment when bands, when the Eric Claptons of the world and the David Bowies of the world were putting out albums fairly frequently every couple of years. And the reason to sit down with people typically was, I've got a new record to talk about. It happens less and less with artists of that age. Um, so now I, I speak to newer artists and, it, and that has its own rewards, obviously, to speak to emerging artists who I believe in and may one day be of the uh, may have the reach that a David Bowie or an Eric Clapton had in their day. Well, and that's one of the hangouts that we've had. One of the more memorable hangouts we had was judging a battle of the bands contest. We got <laughs> some great up and coming bands, right? I mean, that, that was a good time. That was fun. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike Charette was um, one of the judges with us and he had won the year before and we've become quite close um, because of our mutual love of music. Like we all have. And the cool thing about Mike is about a year ago, we met for lunch and he said, I'm thinking about changing my name. And I said, what have you got in mind? And he said, Jake Good. I said, I really like that. It's memorable with two syllables. It's easy. It, it, it kind of suits you um, because he's not a country artist uh, and he's not a pop artist. He's just a great singer who has elements of both of those types of music and rock. <laughs> And I said, when are you thinking of doing it? And he said, maybe in about six months. I said, do it tonight. Do it now. Do it today. He said, what do you mean do it now? I said, the biggest regret that people from CEOs to you and me have is that they, they knew what to do, but they didn't do it out of fear, self-doubt, whatever the reasons. If you really feel strongly about something, do it now. Don't wait. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny when you talk about names and nicknames and, and that's something I think I'm missing from radio in 2021 is, is there's not a lot of nicknames. There's a lot of one name radio hosts. Hey, it's Chris. Hey, it's Fred. You know, whatever, whatever you want to pick. Right. And, and, you know, I remember there was just this, 
these transient clubhouses of, of rock and roll radio, or even pop stations back in the day where, you know, you'd roll in for six months and you'd just party with these guys and gals and just, you know, and, and, and just have a great time. And everyone had a nickname and the radio station <laughs> felt like a clubhouse, you know, and everyone's blown a doobie in the parking lot. You know, it's, I mean, I mean, I never really, I mean, I caught maybe a bit of the tail end of that. But I think, you know, nicknames are, are still fun. I still think great. Or pseudo names or anything like that. You know, I... <laughs> I had one back in uh, the early 90s. Did you? Because the original bear out of Edmonton, Alberta, 103.3 the bear. It's been so long. Um, we had bear-like names. There was Sled Dog Michaels and there was... Oh, like, yeah, I love that. I love that. Grizzly Woods, which I shortened to Grizz and, and, and morphed to Griswold, which I found more appealing. Right. And, and, and there was Smokey Samuels, who Eric Samuels, who ran the station. It was yeah. goofy, but it was, to your point, it was fun. It was like a clubhouse. We were a gang. Yeah. Yes. I, I like the fact that we use our real names, though, now, so that when you do write a book... You're not uh, the Dirty Duker. Was got a book out. It's, it's yeah. your actual name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know my nickname, Big Chris. You know I go Chris, or you know I don't really care like if people use the nickname or not. You know uh, I remember Humble Howard was on a couple episodes back, and he says I think I have to refer to you as like in the third person. Hello, Big Chris. Yes, Big Chris <laughs> wants this. Big Chris wants that. But uh, I don't know if you knew this radio host, Jeff. He was an old school guy too. He did some time in Toronto. Toronto and uh, Montreal mostly uh, went by the pseudonym of Andy K. And uh, <laughs> you know Andy? Of course. Or you didn't know Andy? Yes. And, My first and, gig in Halifax, uh, I did uh, evenings and he did afternoon drive. Wow. Well, he's the one who coined Big Chris. And, and I'll tell you, when I was 20, again, that, that young music director guy we mentioned earlier, you know, when I was in that phase of my career, uh, he was a guy who who really took some time to teach me about some of the old school ways and the old school radio techniques. And I'd sit in the studio, watch him do a morning show on an AM oldie station back then in 2001, 2002. And, and just to see how this guy operated. And of course, we'd hang out and he'd teach me things about the importance of Van Morrison, the importance of Tom Waits. And he, you know, at the time I started calling myself Chris with a K because it is Chris with a K. But People hated it. I started getting hate mail, Jeff. <laughs> Why? Hate mail. They hated people. I don't know. It annoyed people that I would have to point out that it had a K. That's what they would say. To th they would call me up. One guy wouldn't leave me alone. He said, yeah, Chris with a K. Might as well be jerk with a J. Click. And then hung up on me. Nice. Fax, the fax machine. Remember fax machines at radio stations? That was rolling with Chris with a K comments all the time. And I said, I got to change this. This thing is, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> and he's like, Call yourself Big Chris. And I'm like, okay, or how about Big Chris Bodden, BKB, you know, that alliteration of the Bs, and you're a huge guy. Back then, I was like 400 pounds, 450 pounds, you know, and he, he's like, Big Chris. He's like, you know, everyone will know who you are at the party. Hey, which, which Chris is it? It's Big Chris. It's always, you know, who you are. And he mentioned another old school guy, Too Tall, at Shome in Montreal, which was a classic station that, out of Montreal. And, and he says, you know, everyone would go to a live event and they would know who Too Tall was. He was seven foot one. He stood above everybody. And so that was the birth name. I've never told that story on Mike ever. So I'll tell it here with you, Jeff. But uh, yeah, that's the story of Big Chris right there.
I like it. Thanks for sharing. And rest in peace, Andy Kay. I, I believe he did die some years ago. He was tightly yep. wound in the studio, but that's like the, the pot calling the kettle black. I was, <laughs> I was too. And part of that was, and, and you know, you get over that, but part of it is your, your fear of not being good, your fear of failing. Mm. Um, if there was extraneous noise, he would go crazy. If you were in there getting records or putting new records in the in the racks, because I was an assistant music director, gopher like you were, uh, he, yeah. he would get out of control. And mm -hmm. I said, I said, dude, chill. We're just, we're all on the same team. Relax, do your show. And, yeah. and then we didn't have video. No one could see what you were doing. It was all audio. <laughs> yeah. So just chill the F out and but rest <laughs> in peace, Andy Kay. Uh, what, was, what was his real last name? Do you remember even? Kuhn or Kuhn. I'm well, not sure how to pronounce it, but therein uh, lays the need to change your name. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where it all comes from, right? Yeah. To, to start being real, people will be able to figure out what happened to this guy, right? Be able to, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of people who used to listen to him on the air, right? Who were curious and they can never find who, what, what happened or who, where he went, you know, and, and right. that's a sad thing, right? Um, but that's, again, you, you come from that era, Jeff, you got to meet all those artists and, uh, and now you're in the habit of, of promoting new artists. You've got a, a Wildwood studio that I followed on Instagram. Is that where you're sitting right now? It looks cool. You're behind a drum kit and everything. Yeah. The drums are right over here, obviously. And the stereo, the vintage stereo gear is right over here on this rack and there's albums three or 400 above me. Yeah. And then over there, there's seating for like 35, 40 people. Um, and uh, the stage is 12 by 14, so we can put a full-sized band in. My library's cool. over stage uh, left. Uh, it's a great room. And it's attached to a home where my partner lives with her kids. Oh, and, you know, that's the other thing. Speaking of Instagram, you look happy as anything, man. I've never, <laughs> like, there's so many great, and I'm, I'm expecting as well, this April we're going to be having a daughter, my first uh, you know, which is very, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. So, you know, I've got these family vibes, man. It's great to see you getting a little family vibe yourself. Oh, thank you. And congrats because I saw the picture of your mom and, and you pointing out that it would be her first grandchild and that's got to be so exciting for her. It is. It's big. It's a big deal for my family, man. <laughs> We're a small bunch. We're a very, very small clan, right? So well, I've got I've got a ready-made family. I didn't ever have kids of my own, um, but I think there's great value to that because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready till now, yeah. uh, in my mid fifties. So I've got yeah. a nine-year-old, a fourteen-year-old, and a sixteen-year-old step children. Oh, wow. And I love it. I mean, I get it. Look, it looks like you do, man. You really <laughs> well, do. What's not the love? Three smart, <laughs> sweet, kind, generous, uh, interesting, and creative kids. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, and I'm excited to get to that age. I don't want to miss a thing, in a quote, to quote Aerosmith, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't, uh, but also, you know, that, that's the kind of age range I think I'm going to accelerate at, teaching things, and, and especially when it comes to music. And, you know, uh, our niece is uh, just turning seven soon, and, and you, know, I'm, you know, I'm just really starting to enjoy time with her where she's interested in music, or maybe she is, maybe she isn't. You never know that at that age, right? But I, I you know, I'm hoping to impress upon her, you know, the musicality end of things. And, and uh, you know, so that's, that's the exciting part for me. So, uh, yeah, I can see that you're, you're sort of in that mode too. Well, you know, people say, you know, what about advice? And when it comes to kids, I say, just be you and, and let them yeah. be them. And, and they will yeah. take from you what they take from you. We don't have to push anything on them. 
they will inevitably gravitate to some of the stuff we would hope that they do, and they'll gravitate some, to some of the stuff we can't believe they're gravitating towards, but so be it. It's, it's, well, their, it's their path. I saw somebody gravitate behind the drum kit on your Instagram, actually. It's like, <laughs> it's like some musicality seeping in there, too. He's good. And, and, and August, the boy, he's become a great guitar player. Uh, we bought him a, a really good guitar, an Ibanez, uh, last Christmas uh, with a whammy bar. And mm -hmm. uh, he, we didn't put the whammy bar on. We, we said, you know, this is kind of a neat, when you get more comfortable with the simplicity of this six-string guitar, you can maybe try that. So a year later, sure enough, he put it on and he's just intuitively, wow, like he's intuitively oh, yeah. Jeff Beck. <laughs> just vibratoing out, out of the sky. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. Um, oh, so let, let kids be kids, but it's kind of cool to fill a room with instruments and see what they pick up. And, and, yeah. Jem and Jemima, the youngest, is, is really going to be a great drummer. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, they've got the, they've got the setup. And of course, having all these musicians come or hopefully when the pandemic, uh, you know, sort of winds down, uh, having a lot more activity at Wildwood studio. I mean, having more musicians show up, I mean, that's going to be great too, right? Just the whole environment of it all. It, it really is. I'll, I'll tell you before we complete this, uh, this session, which I'm thankful that we're doing, by the way, um, I haven't, I haven't really adopted zoom for my own content yet, but I'm going to after today, because I love the way it, I love the way it feels, so thank you. Uh, but I'll tell you about my plans that are a couple weeks away from coming to fruition, as it relates to bringing bands in here and <laughs> and, and a YouTube channel. Blah 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 blah. So please, before we finish, let's talk about that. What else? Okay. Uh, well, um, obviously, I wanted to talk about you and our connection and everything, but also, you know, we can't avoid the current affairs. I mean, we even I even had four guys on doing a, a podcast about wrestling a few a few episodes back. And even off the top, I said, hey, we got to talk about what's going on in, in America. And that was the night of the uh, the insurrection at the Capitol. You know, and last night was the uh, the big show of the inauguration you know, Jeff, and there was a lot of those artists that you've probably met or interviewed or hung out with or everything. I see uh, Bon Jovi, uh, Bruce Springsteen, you know, and I started thinking about all of the uh, Joe Biden haters, if you will. I started thinking about MAGA and QAnon and, and what kind of music those guys must listen to. Uh, and I'm like, wait a second, they probably listen to a lot of Bon Jovi. It must, <laughs> it must suck. It must suck to have your favorite artists think you're a piece of shit. No, I think it might be lost on certain people. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I think yeah. if you're, if, if your mind goes where the minds of the people that stormed the Capitol goes, we can't yeah. expect a lot from those people True. Um, on any level. I'm just really happy. Uh, I posted something today that, you know, somebody had created a meme as it were. And it said, uh, the the kid with the stutter um is in and the and, and the bully is out basically so i see I, I much prefer the i much prefer the the biden the bidens of the world as opposed to the the trumps of the world and absolutely policy matters what the decisions they make matter put that aside for a second mm -hmm. the tone of your uh, presence also matters a hell of a lot. And if your tone is bully, if your tone is, um, if your tone is harsh, if your tone is acrimonious, if your tone is telling the media to shut up so you can take a question that serves your personal purposes better, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I'm really happy things are the way they are. And, and, and that aside, those two guys aside, those personalities aside, having the first female vice president is not lost on most of yeah. us. It's a great move. Yeah. We had an African-American president, massively positive move. It represented the country in which they were looking for leadership. How until now did it not happen? Doesn't matter. It happened. And now a female. It's a positive change. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's sometimes, you know, Jeff, I, I'm a bit of, a, I hate the term now, centrist, but like, you know, there's sometimes I roll my eyes at a lot of the liberalisms of the world, you know, but I also, uh, I much prefer, uh, even if we're, in my opinion, sometimes a little overly sensitive, I much prefer that to the alternative, you know? And, uh, you know, I think it is, I mean, the orange man's gone. Ding dong, the witch is dead. That's the way I feel about it. <laughs> you know, Eric Shankman uh, is, is a great musician who we've had into the, into the studio to do the podcast some, some months ago. And Eric Shankman was the guitarist from the Spin Doctors, big 90s band. Yeah. And, and Eric wrote a great song called Agent Orange. And as you might imagine, it disparaged the obvious. And, uh, and, and he sang it in my studio on an acoustic guitar and he beat the living hell out of that guitar. And he, and he, and he, pre COVID, and he spat yeah. the lyrics out with great venom and passion. And, and I, I just, I just applauded it, obviously, because it, it, it struck a chord with me. Get rid of the bully, get rid of Agent Orange, uh, say hello to a new day of uh, humanity and decency and kindness. We don't make fun of people with impediments. We don't make fun of uh, women because they're women. We, you know, these yeah. are these are truths we know to 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 be um, valid. Yeah, we uh, learn them in the second grade. You know, yeah, like just yeah. be nice to be nice to people. You know, do un do unto others kindness. Yes. Yeah, we learned a bit. And yeah, maybe if they're not second grade for some people, maybe it's Sunday school as well, right? Like <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty basic decency yeah. wrapped up into some of that. I would hope um, I had Kim Mitchell on the podcast uh, a while back. And I know that, uh, you know, I've had a lot of interactions with Kim over the years in the course of my broadcasting career, but you were probably there, you know, right when he was like the Max Webster and 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 him as a solo act and, and everything. You must have been right in on that uh, and, and, I, and we all know how, you know, how big of a deal he is in Canada. And I'm sure you can, you know, go on forever about what a gem he is, right? Sure. But when you think of Canadian artists, you know, Kim Mitchell's for sure at the top of the pile in terms of success and adoration. But who's an underrated Canadian musician? Who's, who's underrated in our scope of, of bands and acts that, that you've seen through the course of your career? The term you use, underrated, is a term I've used so many times. And just as I hear it again, I start to think that all artists are rated as they're rated and it's okay. I'd like to think of it more as who do I have a passion for that maybe I could turn somebody on to? Because sometimes there's, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And some bands have some of the pieces, but not all the ones that will lead to them rising in this country or internationally. The mm -hmm. hip had all the pieces that worked in Canada, not the pieces that worked in America. Um, Rush had pieces that worked around the world, but it took a bunch of albums to get there. A band that I love, have great passion for, uh, but their albums haven't quite translated to the success of their live shows. Their success as a live band can be uh, conveyed in this way. Every New Year's Eve, except for the one that just passed, they have played the horseshoe 
for the last 20 years. The Sadies, two brothers, Dallas and Travis Good, with a rhythm section that's second to numb with a stand-up bass and a smoking uh, drummer in Mike Politsky. The Sadies are as musical, as creative, and as adept on their instruments as any band's ever been. I would say that's the band, if you want to use the term underrated, let's go with that, that is most underrated. But they have to be seen live to be appreciated, and preferably in a room of two or 300 people capacity. I did see them open for Neil Young, though, because Neil Young's a huge fan. Neil Young and Crazy Horse did three or four dates that included the Sadies some years ago, 2012, 13. Um, and the Saddledome show, the Sadies opened for Neil Young, and it couldn't have been a better marriage of music because, you know, mm. Crazy Horse is, is great guitar rock, two guitars, yeah. bass, and drums. The Sadies, much the same. Both brothers play lead guitar, which is rare, the two front men both playing lead guitar. And they're both six, three, four, five. I don't know. They're giants on stage, and they wear cowboy clothes. And, and Travis not only plays lead guitar, but he plays the fiddle and they're insanely good and they play the music that is um both uh, rockabilly uh psychobilly country bluegrass uh, surf um blues rock the, ga- the the roots music largely right yeah yeah so, so see the sadies when we're allowed to see concerts again hopefully later in 2021 you know, I, yeah, I, I can remember distinctly seeing the Sadies and I can tell you the show, the concert, I know who is on the bill, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, it was, it was Sadies with Hugh Dillon Redemption Choir. That's before the Headstones got back together. Matthew Good and the Tragically Hip were headlining. It was the Across the Causeway show in Kingston uh, where uh, they finally, they were doing a big, big thing, a uh, big fundraiser thing to get the, uh, to get the arena finally built in Kingston. And, uh, and I will never forget that show because I believe there was a stand-up bass being played, if I'm yeah. not yeah. yeah, Sean plays stand-up bass, and he does so extremely well. Yeah, so that was, that's the one time I've seen them. But now upon you recommend, Jeff, I will for sure. Listen, <laughs> there's going to be a boom of live show activities once this pandemic thing is over with. It's, I'm going to see a show probably. Well, I'm going to have a baby daughter, so I don't know how many shows I'm going to see. But <laughs> I'm going to be itching to see a show every night of the week, probably. When she's one or two, you'll be able to, I don't know what the age is, you'll be able to get a babysitter and go to shows again. Yes, I hope so. Yeah, I'm hoping so. That'll be a negotiation as well, I'm sure. <laughs> Somebody pointed out uh, something that I think is incredibly valid and, and food for thought. There'll be so many bands dying to play live. Uh, after this is after the pandemic allows so sure um there'd be a lot of co-headliners because um too many bands not enough nights in a year so it'll be it'll be a-lister and a-lister co-headlining tickets will be expensive but you'll get to sort of have two concerts in one night yeah it'll it'll be half yeah there's no going to see this band at this venue it's going to be where it's going to see this group of bands who are touring together like no other bands have toured together before (laughs) at this one giant venue festivals will be bigger than ever i think next summer summer 2022 yeah I'd like to think so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeff, I, I like you, you know, I've had my, my uh, turn uh, around the, uh, the, the markets of uh, radio and rock radio and in, at least in Ontario, you're a bit more on a national scale, but uh, you know, I always thought that Hamilton had the best, at least in Ontario, 
I love Kingston. Trust me. I do love Kingston and a case could be made that they have an incredible music scene and the tops, but I'm going to go with Hamilton on this one. Um, I, just my opinion. I think they got the best music scene in Canada. All due respect to Winnipeg and Vancouver and a few other, few other spots. Um, you're maybe, maybe not asking you to corroborate that, but uh, your thoughts on that scene in general. I'm a big fan of the music that comes out of Hamilton. Um, let, yeah. me, let me underscore that idea with two examples. Um, think of, he's originally from Hall, Quebec, but he, as a younger man with his brother Bob, started a studio called Grand Avenue. They, were, they almost had enough money to do it, but they didn't have quite enough, so they got in touch with a friend. Um, named Michael Burke and Michael Burke lent them, I think seven or $8,000. And that was just enough to buy this place, to open this studio and they would do jingles and commercials. And then they started producing bands. Do you know who that would be? That producer of great fame now today? Is it Daniel Lanois? It's Daniel Lanois. Oh, Bob. hey, I win. Do I win? <laughs> ding, a ding, ding. You, what do you, I win, Jeff? You win a Swanson TV dinner. <laughs> nice. So uh, Dan Lanois, and then he met Brian Eno, and they did, I think, music for the soundtrack to Dune. It, I, think, I think that was the 80s, early 80s. And sure. then they started uh, collaborating as co-producers with U2 on the Unforgettable Fire album. And that led to a career that included productions in the 80s of Peter Gabriel and Robbie Robertson and Bob mm -hmm. Dylan. And there's a hundred more. And to me, Daniel Lanois and, and Hamilton are, are intertwined in that way, although he's lived, you know, Toronto, he's lived all over yeah at all the greatest places New Orleans yeah. and, and Europe um, and then the second person who I think is Mr. Hamilton without a doubt uh, would be Tom Wilson yep uh, or when you think of an artist with a capital A the, the, who greater than Tom Wilson from Hamilton in that uh, a, a great band leader a great songwriter mm -hmm. uh, a great collaborator um, a great front man uh, 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 an incredible poet, an incredible author, an incredible fine artist in that he paints prolifically, everything from oils to acrylics to... Oh, you've got a painting up in your studio, or you I, did at I one do. time. I can do. We, can, we, can I do this? Let's see. Yeah, sure you can. There. Is there we are, yeah. A diptych, as it were, two pieces that are side by side to create one. That's my second piece I've bought from Tom over the years. Yes. Uh, when I started the studio, Wildwood's Blue here, I thought to myself, in terms of art, I have to have a Tom Wilson. So there it is. I called him and said, could you do me a painting? He said, <laughs> oh, why, why don't I do you too? I paid for it because I believe no matter what your relationship yeah. is with the artist, he might have given me a deal. Of course. Uh, Tom, Tom's great. And, and, his, and his bands. Let's think of that. Uh, here's the weird, goofy thing is that back when I was in college, every Friday afternoon, it was pub afternoon and they'd have live music. I remember seeing the posters. I was, I was like 19 years old. It said Tom Wilson and the Florida Razors. And I thought that was the goofiest name and I never went. What, what, <laughs> what a huge mistake. So, right. so fast forward, that was like 83, 84. Fast forward to 93, 94, there's a band called Junk House coming to do an interview in my studio right. in Edmonton. And, and it's the same guy. I put it together. That's the Tom Wilson from the Florida. And I fell in love with Junk House. There it is. An album that represents Hamilton to me more than any other album would be yes. a debut album from Junk House called Strays. Songs like Praying for the Rain out of my head 
Jesus Sings the Blues, which Springsteen is a huge fan of. Yeah. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. And then, and then Tom forms Blackie and the Rodeo Kings with Colin Linden, Grammy-winning guitar player, and yes. Stephen Fearing, an incredible collaborator. Songwriter. Love Stephen Fearing. I've got a ton of his solo records. A live album he did in the late '90s. Yeah, big fan of Stephen Fearing myself. He's a uh, sweetheart. All three of them are. So, and and then yeah. Tom has the other band, the alter ego known as Lee Harvey Osmond, and right. th- which is funny, but it's also a great band. Yeah. And Tom's you know, and Tom's son. Have you ever seen Thompson Wilson play? Yeah, I've actually seen, yes, one time. So Tom Wilson did a, uh, a trip with our radio station down to Jamaica, like a, a, one of those radio station trips where the listeners all get to hang out with Tom on vacation kind of thing. So yeah he, brought his, yeah, he brought his whole family and, uh, and Ray, you know, and Ray uh, was there. And, and uh, I think they Ray did some is, shows. Yeah. yeah, I think they did some shows down in Jamaica. I was not quite at the career point where I got to go on the trip. I was the guy who had to do the morning show while everyone was away and <laughs> you know, hold, hold it down back then. Right. So, so I didn't get to go, but I did get to know them because they came and hung out at the station a whole bunch. So yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Can't say I enough think- good things about Tom Wilson. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a legend. Uh, we used to hang out a lot when I was a record company rep in Al- Southern Alberta. I would mm-hmm. rep from Junkhouse and we'd go and do shows all over places like Medicine Hat and Lethbridge and Red Deer and Edmonton and Calgary. And nice. they, they were a fun band to tour with. It was a double bill then too. It was Headstones and Junkhouse co-headlining everywhere we went. Imagine that after show. Well, and, and think of, in the moment, it's just, hey, we're doing these shows with this other band that's, that's good too. Um, but then you look back on it and it's like, man, that's a great Canadian classic double bill. Sure it is. You know, when, when you put those two together. You were talking about the album Strays uh, from Junkhouse. And I actually, yeah, I agree. It has that Hamilton. It really set that Hamilton sound, right? I think so. Um, but I think, and I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure Tom Wilson told me one time that the album artwork was actually done in Kingston because he had lived in Kingston for a time. And uh, there was a street of a row of townhouses and that's where the, the wires on the album artwork were taken. I'm not, I'm not 100% on that, but I, I think so. There not is sure. something I can't shed light on, but that, that sounds plausible. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Like yeah. The idea. Kingston, yeah, well, Hamilton, two great yeah. Canadian rock towns. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> With universities or colleges. Yeah, the university helps too, I think, when it yeah. comes to you know, getting indie shows under, underway and, and people willing to uh, go out and do things too. That's the other thing, to just have active scenes of people who will go out and do things um, uh, and, and spend you know, five bucks on a ticket or whatever. Back to the Hamilton scene though, you know, my time living in Hamilton was a different era uh, and a different boom of, of Hamilton music because I remember the Arkells, listening to their second album as I was driving into Hamilton moving. And, uh, and that was right. That second album. And, you know, they were, they, their first album of course is, is amazing. And it's still one of my favorites, but you know, it was really that rise to fame where the live shows were getting bigger and you could just feel this momentum about them, but it was still at the point where I could do a, an indie comedy show at a laundromat, uh, you know, or at a, at a small pub. And all of a sudden there's Max from the Arkells working the door at this small pub that I'm doing comedy at. Right. So, you know, that's always, when I think of Hamilton, I think of the Arkells. And of course I think of monster truck, um, you know, Jer from monster truck was when I was on the air and Hamilton was a regular on the show, you know, and, and I think like monster truck, if there's one band that just decided we're 
to be as rock and roll as possible it had to have been monster truck i think one of the greatest i think canadian acts that come out over the last while yeah there's there's an element you know? uh, like the darkness out of england there's an element of yeah an element of parody almost but yep. uh, but it's an entertaining show yeah um now uh, the rock and roll lifestyle is something i want to talk about jeff you know a lot of people um you know, a lot of people use, you, you, like, you've been hearing a lot of people, like, I think even Gene Simmons has said, yeah, rock and roll is dead. You know, there's, there's some prominent figures out there, you know, uh, that have said some, some things like that. And I don't know, jury's out on whether rock and roll is dead or not. And I'm not going to pin you on that question, but. No, do. Uh, okay, all right. Is it dead, Jeff? I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just think it's like a cliche question, but uh, sure, why not? It's a slogan. Let's start with that. Rock and yeah. roll. Uh, uh, punk rock, um, rock. It depends how you define it, and it depends what your intention is when you when you say things like that. To me, rock and roll still is best attributed to the music of the 1950s that started with Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and, yeah, all, right. and all the others. But those are the pillars. That's rock and roll music. The Beatles had an album called Rock and Roll Music where they covered all of those cats and Carl Perkins and and all the rest. That's rock and roll. Um, guitar, bass, drums, vocal is rock and rock and roll. Maybe, <laughs> maybe some piano. Originally the guitar was the saxophone, but, but as rock and roll evolved, it was a guitar based music. Um, that's rock and roll. Uh, it's an attitude too. We talk about punk rock, not necessarily being three chord <laughs> rock played by yeah. the Sex Pistols or the Clash or Green Day in more modern times, but by an attitude as, as Joe Strummer was uh, more than anyone about the attitude he's the patron saint of punk rock attitude and, and <laughs> thank you thank yeah, you it was yeah. also to do with do it yourself um here's where the transition came i think as it relates to rock and roll when mm -hmm. computers became a thing in your home and bands more than ever had this diy do-it-yourself ability because of a computer and the bass and the drums and the guitar and the vocals would change and they've changed more than ever in the last sort of five, six, seven years, because instead of having four or five people in a room laying down bed tracks or, or playing together as they did in the fifties and sixties in Motown, everybody at the same time playing uh, like it's on records too, uh, and, and recording it. And there's your record. In yeah. the 70s, we started multi-tracking, but still originally there would be guys in a room together playing the bed tracks, yeah. la layering on until you had a complete album. That is less and less the case now. A lot of drums, as you know, are produced by machines. There's sampled sounds that you can choose. Oh, I like the sound of that drum. And then you start adding it and layering it. And what you have... Um, is less of a rock sound. We don't have that 90s crunchy guitar Pearl yeah. Jam Soundgarden and 50 other bands that mattered in the 1990s. We don't have that, that came guitar. from two bands. And nobody, that, I mean, half of that was two bands too, I think, back in the day. Nobody uses a two band anymore. <laughs> There's that. Um, yeah. And I think that the, when people talk about the rock and rock and roll being dead, what they're really doing is, if consciously or otherwise, noting that records that sound like that are fewer and further between. There's more records that sound like this, 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 this drums that aren't real, that they're real sounds, but they're taken off a menu in a computer and added to your song. There's two people in a room, maybe one's the producer, Billy Eilish. 
she's singing and they're writing and he's playing with the computer in Pro Tools and and layering these sounds. And they don't sound like rock bands in a room. Joe Walsh articulates it better than I ever could. Where's the guys in the room or girls playing together? That is that there's something organic and there's something real and there's something there's a heartbeat in that. There's less of a heartbeat when you start layering sounds that you didn't even create in a computer. So rock is dead to that degree but there's still lots of that other stuff going on. It's just not as uh, often uh, represented in the mainstream radio. As it well, was. yeah, and, and I, maybe that's, that's it. Is it, it also like it's not as represented on, on just award shows or, uh, or the bands that are winning best rock album on award shows aren't bands with that heartbeat that you're talking about. They didn't record that way. They'd, you know, once in a while you see someone like Queens of the Stone Age or the Foo Fighters or the Chili Peppers, you know. But again, those are, those are legacy bands. That's built into the contract that they get considered at least to be on the Grammys or at the Super Bowl. But there are no new acts, really, I think that are unfortunately getting that exposure and it trickles all the way down to mainstream radio formats too uh in that you don't have a lot of rock stations used to be every small town had a country station and a rock station you know and 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 that's less and less now and and uh it's unfortunate but it's it's a symptom of it but it's also i think too uh, confirm or deny, Jeff, uh, you know, that, that, that we've splintered rock and roll down to so many niches of, of audiences, whether it's, you know, and, and they aren't getting serviced by what you would describe as a mainstream rock station in that you have, uh, you know, let's say just 18,000 different subgenres of punk rock. Uh, you know, that, that don't get even played or considered to be played on mainstream radio. Or you've got, you know, 18,000 different genres of heavy metal that don't even have a shot of making it onto mainstream radio. The window is so thin that you've actually killed your overall rock audience by a death from a thousand cuts, by all these subgenres that you're not servicing, right? Um, and, but again, I can understand from a programming perspective that some of them don't jive, you know, some of you can't get, make it all jive. There's there's validity to all of what you've said, but there's also Sirius XM where you have five or six hip hop yeah. uh, variations, you have five or six mm-hmm. hard rock variations, you have three or four or five or six pop variations, you have as many country variations, You and then you have your Beatles channel and your Petty channel and your Springsteen channel and your U2 channel and your Dylan channel. And, and it goes on and on and on. There is variety there. And then you have playlists from streaming companies where um, you can get that variety and you can get what you're into. So I think it's fragmented to your point. Great word. Um, and, and, and we have way more distractions in the world. We have gaming, which is bigger than ever. Yeah. We have Netflix. We have Crave. We have, we have a lot of things to direct our attention towards. Yeah. Um, but I think... Everything is represented. Somebody um, defined niche, which just means small. There's a lot of small buckets compared to back in the day. We had the rock station and the pop station and the adult easy listening station and the country station and then talk yeah. station. Now we've got it all. I, I love it all. You know, it depends on your mood. I love hip hop like the next guy. When I hear people my age, 50 something, um, and, and older and younger disparaging what they still refer to as rap music 
I yeah. like, Re- <laughs> really? Like, this is 2000 and what? 20? Has the rap record ever been released? I don't it's, even know anymore. It's, it's, it's hip hop music. It has rhythm. It has vocals. Like it, don't like it, but but don't disparage it. Just move on and, and, yeah. and celebrate what you want to celebrate. Everyone likes a fountain more than they like a drain. Stop shitting on the stuff that you don't mock what you don't understand is what I say. If you're still calling it rap music, you don't even quite understand what you're saying because, because dollars to donuts, you go with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever you're with to a nightclub and a song comes on and everyone loves it, including you and you dance to it and you move to it and you have fun to it. Chances are it might be a, rap song or hip hop song or a dance song or a it could be anything if 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 it moves you it's good if it doesn't go on to the thing that you like you know i'll I'll admit hey i'll admit i have cut a rug to gangnam style all right (laughs) it's pretty funny it's really (laughs) funny one of the most viewed videos in the history of videos exactly there's a reason why right you can't (laughs) deny it sometimes it's it's silly it's fun it's you can dance to it yeah, it's, it's, it's a great on. Friday driving home from work song, you know, like, hey, sexy lady. <laughs> but my kids upstairs love it. They play it for me with some frequency because it's just silly, goofy kid stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kids of all ages. So, yeah, is rock and roll dead? It's, it's like the answer is sort of, I guess, you know, that's really. It depends how you look at it. No, it's not yeah. dead. And it, yes, it is dead. It depends what your, your sensibility yeah. is and what your definition is. Yeah. I, I hate the term. Again, guys my age. Hey, I'm really into rock and roll. I don't like any of that rap. Stop, yeah, please. Rock and roll is a 50s music if you want to be a textbook about it. And, yeah. and kind of I do when you talk like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would make if, if yeah, if you're going by that definition, then I guess Led Zeppelin's heavy metal. You know, I don't know that's, that's, you know, but by today's standards, Led Zeppelin is, is just, you know, like mainstream classic rock, you know, it's so funny how definitions change over time, too. Like you think about Black Sabbath, you know, their first record blowing everyone's mind right but by today's standards i mean ozzy's just like this old guy on tv like nobody really you know nobody thinks he's the prince of darkness anymore you know but there's all these other bands that could you know that that have doubled down on whatever black sabbath did and and multiplied it by such a such a force it's funny when i think about black sabbath more than anyone else though while bands have done it arguably louder certainly faster those are the only things I can attribute to bands that have done it differently. Um, but no one's mm-hmm. done it darker, bigger, and bolder than those Sabbath records. They, they were scary darkness. That, that defined everything that was to come in that dark metal yeah. kind of... And, and of course, they weren't, they weren't dark in and of their own character, but the sounds were certainly dark. And those records stand up, and those records are brilliant. And Ozzy, before he became the cartoon character, and I don't say that in a disparaging way, because no, he, knows, he knows more than anyone how funny he can be, <laughs> yeah. but his vocals were perfectly matched with the guitar, bass, and drums of, of the other guys in Black Sabbath. They, mm-hmm. were, they were as dark and foreboding as anything on vinyl. And I love it all. So I don't think anyone has outdone Sabbath for that. Very well. For that. <laughs> Very well. And here's the other thing, too. You talk about how dark and foreboding those records are. You know, I've got a lot of them on, on old vinyl. But again, it's old, poorly taken care of vinyl because I got it for free out of a trash bin somewhere. Probably. <laughs> but, but, you know, it makes it even creepier 
when you've got those really dark, dank sounds or silence for a few minutes and the record's really scratched and you get that all that inter, like all that interference is going on that makes it creepier it's like <laughs> like the tv's screen, you know like, yeah i agree those are our frightening records right i do love them a lot yeah now one of those bands that again like was a very active very fast heavy band motorhead and you know i read this story the other day and, and this is where i was heading with is rock and roll dead i don't know the answer to that question um, we tried to answer it here and I think there was a good answer there, but, um, <laughs> but if, but the rock and roll lifestyle, I think for sure is dead, right? Like nobody's living like Lemmy for motorhead anymore. Nobody's living like Iggy pop and, and, you know, and all these, these legendary, you know, party animals have in, in, in those decades, right? Not even Iggy pop is living like Iggy pop did yeah he's in the he, he would have long been dead and he would be the first to admit that um yeah that that is a good thing that's happened um yeah. because when you look at well it started in 1970 with 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 the deaths 70 71 with the deaths of jimmy first a couple weeks yeah. later janice a year later jim morrison the 27 club was established that that robert johnson had started decades earlier um and and then the 90s i jump right to the 1990s well there were lots of examples of young people living too hard and dying names that we know and names that we don't know tommy mm -hmm. bolan who knows tommy bolan who knows danny witten from crazy horse they didn't rise to the heights that Neil Young did or that uh, Richie Blackmore did bands that included these guys because before they could they were dead of heroin typically yeah um, or alcohol um, Bonzo and Keith Moon did rise to that height but died in their 30s sad right um, yeah. but I go to the 90s because that was the most darkness concentration Right, musically too, and and thematically, plus all the drugs and everything, right? All the drugs and all the deaths in mm -hmm. Alice in Chains and in Soundgarden and in Nirvana and Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone and on and on and Blind Melon and and between uh, alcohol and uh, and heroin, largely uh, countless deaths. Uh, more recently, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, drug-related. Scott um, Weiland finally caught up with him too. Weiland was uh, was a was an accident waiting to happen, finally did, and and uh, and and from Lincoln Park, uh, Chester oh, yeah. Bennington, yeah. another one. So many, and and thankfully, to your point, less and less now. Is yeah. is I think it's partly that people have woken up, mm -hmm. and decided mm -hmm. that's not a way forward. Uh, no matter how creative you were in those flashes of brilliance, you can't thank the alcohol and the drugs for it. It just mm. happens that you had some moments of clarity mixed with moments of darkness and drugs and, and, and booze. Uh, listen, I don't know about you, but I'll speak for myself. Mm. I don't regret the amount of alcohol I consumed and the amount of drugs I did when I was in my teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, and even into my 50s. I can't because I can't regret. You can't go back. You can't fix it. If I could do it all again, mind you, I would probably read more than, than, than I would drink beer. Right. I would be smarter. I mm -hmm. would be younger looking. A, a cigarette smoke and alcohol does your skin <laughs> and your liver no favors. Yeah. Um, the, the darkness is, is thankfully lesser now, but then again, and 
I think the number I read the other day, as it relates to suicides year over year since the pandemic started, early 2020, I think it was Western Canada, it might have been Edmonton, but there was a statistic, a statistic pardon my, uh, seven times, seven times more uh, suicides since wow. pandemic. And whether it's two or three or seven or 12, that's scary. So the darkness may not be attributed specifically to drugs and booze that rock and roll found so many people dead, but mental health is one that we at least talk about. It always existed, but now we're talking about it. Mental health hasn't gotten necessarily worse than it was. Arguably though, with social media, it has. That's another thing we could spend two hours on. And I know- Oh, we, yeah, we yeah, yeah. We won't, but I feel for people- uh, that are suffering because of their isolation during the pandemic. I, well, you know, like, yeah, I think of even just in my own circle, like my mother, you know, my stepdad passed away uh, the June before uh, the pandemic. So my mom had just barely grappled with living on her own for six, seven months. And then she's all of a sudden having to not leave her house and not interact with society. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that, I, that the effect that, that had and, and, and various other people, Melanie Martin, my co-host, you know, was living by herself in a 200 square foot apartment apartment. And, and, you know, she's, you know, she, again, like the effect that had on her now, luckily she's, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're pals and she's, you know, she's a resilient person. So, you know, that was, she, I think she's actually come out the better for it, which has been good. She's, you know, found love and a few other things too, which uh, she, she's detailed on previous podcasts. And of course on our radio show on Big 101 and Barry. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's a huge thing. You're right. And, and uh, again, the pandemic has had a lot of effect on our day to day, but the, uh, the long-term effect is still yet to be seen, right? Like in terms of mental health and, and the trickle yeah. down of it, the it, economy. You couldn't be more right. I, I do feel you mentioned you mentioned your mom and and and, mm -hmm. and dad. I feel especially bad for older people um, that are in the the last phase of their life, in that some of mm -hmm. them will have spent the last year or two in isolation. Yeah, uh, what a way to go out! It's 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 super sad, and I feel for for the families of those people, but especially yeah. for those people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. As just as individuals and, and individuals who want to have their own autonomy over their own lives to have that, you know, taken away. And, you know, that's tough. And yeah. And I mean, like, heck, you know, even thinking about myself way down the road, like, oh, I'll have to be shuffled off to a, to a home sometime too, you know, and, and how would I feel about like, first of all, giving up that autonomy to go into a long-term care home as a senior citizen. But then secondly, uh, to then all of a sudden turn around and have to be just isolated in that. Like, that's, that's, you're, you're doubling down on giving up your, your freedom and your autonomy to do things, right? It's just a horrific, uh, horrifically depressing. But some people, <laughs> but some people prefer the isolation. And the person that I'm going to bring up here when we were talking about light, rock and roll lifestyles is Lemmy Kilmeister. Uh, from Motorhead. And, you know, I read an article where Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters uh, was uh, visiting Lemmy and hanging out at his house here. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we hear again about that rock and roll lifestyle. And it always sounded so fantastic when it was being reported in the headlines and things like that. But this is Lemmy, uh, you know, living in his own filth, living in a, an apartment, small apartment, surrounded by stacks of magazines. This is how Dave Grohl described it, described it. I was shocked at how fucking disgusting it was. These aisles of magazines and VHS tapes stacked three to four feet high. Lemmy sitting on the couch in his black bikini underwear with a spider web on them 
after just dyeing his hair black, doing a phone interview with a, with a video game on pause on the television. Um, it was 11.15 in the morning, and he offered me a drink, and I said, sure. I'll never forget the detail uh, that day, not even the black underwear with a spider web and a black widow spider right where his dick is. You know, I mean, it's, it's told in a funny manner. It's told in a funny story, but, you know, I know people less famous than Lemmy. And we go back to the Hamilton music scene, you know, people who are roadies for teenage head, you know, people who were, you know, in the punk scene in Hamilton when they were in the eighties, you know, in the seventies and eighties. And now where are they now? They lived in a, they live in a small smoke filled apartment. Uh, you know, you can't tell what time it is. And, uh, you know, and, and they don't leave their house. They just sit there and it's in this smoke filled room, you know, and, and that's, and, and that's the part of the rock and roll lifestyle that I don't think a lot of people hear about. Well, self-imposed isolation is never going to be something that goes away pandemic or no pandemic. Exactly. These are, these are personal choices. They have a lot to do with the way you grew up as a small child. They have a lot to do with people you choose to hang out with. They aren't specific to being a musician. There are postmen and accountants and entrepreneurs and millionaires that can live that way too. Looks can be deceiving. Paychecks can be deceiving. I think that uh, in Lemmy's case, you know, I mean, God love him. I mean, I remember going. I, I mean, he was a gem. He was a gem, of course. You know, <laughs> I remember yeah. going to the record store and seeing the cover of uh, of, of of the album with Ace of Spades, uh, and seeing the three of them on the front looking like banditos in, in you know in, in the Mexican desert or wherever the hell mm -hmm. they were that that scene that setting. And, and taking that album home and the chase is better than the catch and ace of spades. Those are great songs. That's so bold. That's so big. That was rock and roll yeah. personified in, in Lenny Kilmeister. However, Lenny was, was that guy who had a million books and had Nazi paraphernalia, not because he was a, a Nazi sympathizer, but because he liked collecting weird shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know somebody who collects like medieval <laughs> torture instruments. You know, like yeah, people like collecting weird stuff. I collect backpipes. That's weird too. <laughs> oh, but these are these are people's personal choices, aren't they? That that rock and roll lifestyle. You know, I just don't think that people uh, uh, people see that side. So it's something I wanted to talk about with you. But that was like the last topic. I should have put that first because now we're wrapping up on a depressing note. But maybe we can go back to Wildwood Studios, Jeff. You know the. Uh, the, uh, the, the studio looks so cool and, and I would love to see it in person. I can't wait. I, I, yeah. I, I can't get a big enough view of the whole room. However, that drum kit does look good. That's my, you uh, drums. Let's plug local. The underground, the underground drum company, you drum out of Burlington, Ontario, yeah. uh, combined with woods, custom drums out of Vancouver. There's another Jeff Woods and he makes drums. So if you're looking for drums, you drum and woods custom drums are, are pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm equipped with uh, Laney out of England, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. There's a full circle oh, moment. There we are. Tony Iommi uses uh, Laney amps and so do I at Wildwoods Blue. We're at the base of Blue Mountain in beautiful Blue Mountain, Ontario, next to Collingwood. And uh, I do a podcast out of here called Records and Rockstars. It's interviews and performances by artists that are emerging. It's different than the radio show, which is narrative. I tell stories like the old Legends of Classic Rock show. I tell stories and play songs. All mm. of this stuff can be found, and you can find out where to hear it at jeffwoodsradio.com. But the new thing I'm going to do... Yeah, this was the thing you teased at the start, Jeff. So you've got, you've got some plans here. 
I'm in conversation with a, with a company that's uh, based around the world and they have a passion for music and mm. musicians who make it. And uh, we're talking about how we're going to um, bring that to Wildwoods in a much bigger way than it's already in the radio show and the podcast. So we're going to be doing concerts from here with uh, high production values, three camera shoots and, uh, and sharing them with the world soon. So I'm excited about that. I'll make an announcement in the next few weeks, Jeff Woods radio on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, or or the website so yeah oh man jeff you know i i love following what you do and like i say i i've been hooked on your voice and your stories uh from a young age right so <laughs> um i'll be for sure uh checking that out and i encourage anyone else to uh, follow you on all the social platforms you're a sweet and kind man i love your radio show i love what you and melanie do her podcast is great too yes um, um I, I'll, I'll keep following you you follow me and we'll do this again someday Awesome. Jeff Woods on Big Chris Live. Thanks for the follow and checking out the live stream here. And we'll chat again, Jeff. And thank you again for being the guest today. It's been a pleasure. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.